0: Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday morning podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. I'm not sure if any of you had the experience I had growing up, but I remember one time when I was probably... Oh, nine to ten years old maybe, about ten probably. I was downstairs in our basement rummaging around one day in a trunk, an old trunk that came over from Wales and had a bunch of stuff in it. And I found these letters and I started reading these letters and they were love letters from my father who was in the army at the time to my mother. And they were personal letters, right? And I was ten years old. And I had that same look on my face that those girls had last month, remember, when I suggested some of them might marry some of the boys in the children's ministry here, and they all went, ugh, you know. <laughs> and I can remember thinking, ugh, what? <laughs> this, my mom and dad writing letters like this. And uh, letters. I wonder how many of you have written a letter this week. I mean, with a pencil, a pen, a piece of paper, wrote it out, put it in an envelope, and mailed it. Dwayne, you're raising your hand back there. Is that you? A couple of you. Wow, look at that. Okay. Gene, yeah. Four, five. Okay. Um, anybody under 25 written on <laughs> 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 Anybody under 25 know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I can remember writing letters. And, you know, in, in school, and, and it, whether you type a letter on a keyboard or a computer, you know, we learn styles of letters, Correct. You know, there are business letters that you would generally direct to whomever it may concern. Uh, dear sirs, dear ma'am, uh, you know, president, the CEO, whatever. You, you write a business letter, it's fairly formal and ends with a very formal, you know, sincerely yours or with respect and so forth. There are love letters, which I know we've got several couples here today who are engaged, getting married and if you were separated, like Teresa and I were in my first year of college, we were engaged in, but we were dating, and we wrote letters. Um, I usually didn't write to Teresa, um, dear ma'am, you know, or to whomever it may concern, and sign it off, you know, sincerely, uh, James E. Shamaria, right? Um, you know, you don't write those kind of letters. And there's friendship letters. You write to friends. You write to acquaintances. Maybe, you know, if, if you, if you follow any of our missionaries, we get prayer letters that they write and they post them or they mail them and uh, print it out and they are letters to support. A different type of letters. So we are beginning a study today for our next series of, oftentimes we'll refer to it as the Book of Philippians. The Book of Philippians. But it's really not a book. The reason we call it a book, because our Bible, the Biblios, you know, is made up of several smaller works. So they're considered books that make up our Bible. But in the New Testament, when the apostles wrote what we call oftentimes the books in the Bible, they were really letters, right? And they were called epistles. Epistles. I think I'd prefer to refer to them, and I'll try to refer as we do our study together, that we are going to take a look at, uh, learn from, and apply to our lives from the epistle of Paul to the church at Philippi, to the Philippians. It's a letter. And when Paul wrote it, he wrote it as a letter. Letter writing was taken very seriously, actually, in the first century. It was something that they they took serious. It wasn't, um, you know, in our day and age with uh, social media and so forth, we get a little careless, don't we? And we read all the time about people who have been careless in their choice of words and put it out there. Uh, if you take a pen and paper and write it down, you're a little thinking about it. You might think twice before you write it down, stick it in an envelope and mail it, if you know everybody's going to be reading it. Uh, social, Incidentally, um, we had a dinner at our house the other night, and we made a Jordanian dish that's a little complicated to serve, and when I served it, um, it it didn't go so well. And I mean, the thing is already, four or five of you have commented on it. This was at my house like two nights ago, you know, and uh, somehow it's out there on social media, and Gary told me he's been asked to post it, and he said he wouldn't do that to me, and... Uh, I've, we've served that dish three times, and two of the times it came out fine. This last one didn't come out so well. Um, so that's social media. So um, anyway, putting letters and writings on social media, they took it very serious in the first century. Letter writing was very serious, and in fact, it could be expensive. Writing utensils and writing material, whether parchment or leather skin, uh, was very expensive. It was a luxury you know, we have reams of paper all over the place. It was a it was a luxury to be able to do that. So it was carefully done. And in fact, I know a trainer has been teaching a class on uh, the literature in the Bible, and we know from some fairly decent you know historical sources that there actually were letter writing categories in the first century. Someone has done some very good research, and we have evidence from some early uh, authors in the Roman Greek world that there were up to 21 categories of types of letters you would write. They took it very serious. One of those types of letter writing was a friendship letter, a letter you would write to friends. Cicero called it the most common type of letter. And so as we uh, take a look at the letter to the Philippians, I want us to see this morning and consider this, that this is a letter From the Apostle Paul to some very dear friends. And everything about this letter has those characteristics of a letter written to some very dear friends who are involved with him in ministry. So let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we open your word this morning and we give thought to it and consider it, as always, we pray that it will not just be in our heads, but it will be in our hearts. And that we will live and walk by your word as this was the desire of the Holy Spirit who inspired the Apostle Paul to write this beautiful letter to the Church of Philippi. So bless us now as we open your word in Christ Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So I want to, first of all, I want to, I want to just show you that when we, when we talk about this, so our, our context today will be just the first, it's kind of an introductory lesson and the first, uh, eight verses we'll take a look at this morning. But, uh, a friendship letter. And, is this on back there? And I got my, uh, oh, let me turn it on here, then it works better. Okay, thank you. Okay, a friendship letter. And there are some, there are some things that actually, and I don't want this to be too technical, but there are some aspects of a friendship letter that are common from the first century. And I think I want to show you how this letter that Paul writes to the Philippians just fits right into this so beautifully. When you when they would write a friendship letter, these are the common aspects. I'd say they took it serious. They took it serious. And they would have a greeting to the recipients, a a greeting. It, It might seem kind of formal, but as Kevin mentioned this morning, if we sang our song, Grace and Peace, this is part of Paul's general greeting to the people he writes to. And it's not a throwaway line. It's not a throwaway line. This this was a, 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 a something that was a, from the heart to their hearts. There was a greeting. Then there would be a prayer for the recipients, some type of a prayer, even in the pagan religions and culture. There would be some kind of well-wishing for these people that they would be blessed. There would be a reassurance about the person sending the letter. These are things we've seen in these first century letters. There would be a reassurance that I am doing well, and I want you to know my estate, my estate, and I want you to know how things are for me. And they would reassure uh, the recipients about that. Then there would be a request, I want to hear about you. How are you doing, right? I mean, when we, we write a letter, oftentimes we say, dear so-and-so, how are you, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of a, a line that's just sort. How are you? How are you doing? We say that when we gather here at fellowship. How are you doing today? And sometimes it might again seem like a throwaway line, but it's it's a, hopefully it's genuine. How are you really doing? And so there would be requests for that. There would be information about the movement of their helpers because they have a connection. They have a connection, and there's people that are involved with them, and they would send information so they would have reassurance. Remember, these people oftentimes are separated by distances. They don't have instant communication. They can't pick up the phone. They can't text. They can't find out right away what's happening like we can today. It's Very hard for us to, to even relate to this type of culture where information would take that long to get. So they would want to know about their fellow helpers. And then it would be exchange of greetings with third parties who were involved with them because the other thing about the first century that the life, the world that the apostle Paul lived in. Now, now remember, Paul is steeped in Judaism as a as a a rabbi, as a, as, a, as a member of the Sanhedrin, as an Orthodox Jew, we would say that's his background. He is steeped in this, but he lives in the Hellenistic Greek world, just like you and I. We, I mean, we're steeped in our Christian faith and walk, but we live in a context that that, that we live in our world, and and Paul and, and and we're very much like our world in a lot of ways that are just normal: how we dress, how we drive food we eat, homes we live in, things like that, um, our culture. And that was, so remember that, that Paul's in this culture too. But in this culture, in the first century culture, one of the things that was very important is friendships. Friendships were very important. Relationships with friends. Uh, do you have friends? You know, people ask me, well, who are your friends? And then, you know, I, because I've worked in a uh, Christian church context for the last 40 years, my friends have generally been in that context, my close friends. Uh, I've gotten to know my neighbors. My next door neighbor is, is someone who grew up, in just like I did in my house. I've known her since she was a little child. Like So I know people like that. We have neighbors, we have friends. My close friends have been in this type of context, people I work with. Who are your friends? They took this very seriously. Friendship, and friendship in the first century implied that you have a lot of things in common. You shared, you partnered, you often had mutual non-friends or enemies, antagonists that you shared in common as well because of that. And so because of these things, these greetings from third parties, these uh, movements of helpers was very important to them. This This was something that was important. And then you would close this letter with, Wishes for, for health, and not just physical health, but that, that they would be whole. That they would, that we, we sang a song this morning about that. About the wholeness and the health, you know, welcome home. So these are ingredients. Now I want you to notice just quickly, let's look at, at, let's look at a few of these. Look at chapter one, verse one. We have a greeting. We're just gonna, we'll do a quick survey of, of the letter. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi. This is this greeting. This is a general greeting to the church. Together with the overseers and deacons. Grace. Here's is greeting. Grace. Uh, charis. Um, uh, joy. Forgiveness. This is a rich word. And shalom. You know, in Paul's context, the word would be peace. Irenaeus in the, in the Greek, but in the Hebrew context, peace. Grace and peace were his greeting to his friends. Chapter 1, verse 3. You notice the prayer, the prayer for the recipient. Look at this. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray. So you have this, this typical uh, first century type letter where he would then pray for the people. You have reassurance, verse 1, verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, he's in, he's in prison, has really served to advance the gospel. And you could go on and read this section. He talks about his situation and he reassures him, I'm okay. I'm okay. God is taking care of me. I'm okay. And then in verse 27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. When I come to see you or where they hear about you in my absence, I will know you stand firm in one, in one Lord, in, 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 in one, one spirit. So you have this, you have this request for reassurance about them. And then chapter two, and you see this in all you see this in all of all of Paul's letters. In chapter two, verse nineteen, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. And he talks in all of his epistles about his fellow workers, men and women. We talked last week about Priscilla and Aquila, or two weeks ago in Corinth. He talks about these people, and he and he and and they have this commonality, and he gives them uh, what they're doing. And then the third, notice even exchange with the third parties. Chapter 4 and verse 21. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me, who they don't even know because he's in Rome, they send your greetings. They send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Paul is in prison in Rome and members of Caesar's household have come to faith and he sends greetings to them. And then finally the last verse the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ with your spirit. Amen. These closing words. So it's interesting to me as I study this this past week and to see some of the research that this letter fits in very typically to a first century friendship letter. But it's combined with his Jewish culture and background that comes from this idea of a community of faith. The Jews were, they lived all over the Mediterranean world and North Africa, but they were in community, and they were a community of faith in the one true God, and they shared so many things, obviously, in common. And and this comes through as well, that in this new Christian community, that they are a community of faith. So you've got this combination of this literary style, these friendship letters, and you've got Paul's background as a Jew with this deep community of faith for the one true God, All guided, most importantly, by the Holy Spirit. The the Apostle Peter tells us, the men of old, when they wrote, the prophets, when they wrote, and the kings like David and Solomon, they wrote, they did not generate these things, but they were what? Carried along by the Spirit of God. And then he goes on to say, that the things our brother Paul writes you are being twisted like all other scriptures. There was an understanding among the apostles that what they were writing was from God. So the important thing is, when this letter was finished, in the style of the first century, a a letter of friendship to this congregation, when he writes this letter, and from his Jewish background, but inspired by the Holy Spirit, we have this beautiful four-chapter letter in our Bible that I really want today to focus on and just to to help you understand and to think about that this was a letter of friendship to some very dear people whom Paul deeply loved. Let's look at parts of this here this morning. First of all, let's consider the background. The background, if you turn to the book of Acts for a moment, Acts chapter 17, and the background of uh, Acts 16, the background of this epistle to the church at Philippi in Acts chapter 16, I just—we're not going to go over this in detail, but I just want to draw your attention. You could take some time to read this chapter yourself. You'll notice if you have if you have headings, in like for example, NIV Bible in verse six, Paul's vision of the man of Macedonia. Paul wanted to go this way and God said no. Paul wanted to go this way and God said no. And then he has this vision of this man, we would say in Europe today. Paul is in Asia Minor. He is in Turkey on his second missionary journey, revisiting churches. And he gets this vision of this man across that little branch of water from Turkey to Europe, calling him, come over and help us. And he realizes this is the Holy Spirit. And so he, he, he goes. He and his helpers, they leave and and, and Paul and Timothy and Silas and they go over to Macedonia. And when they get there, from verse 11, from Troas, we put out to sea. We sailed straight for Samothrace and the next day on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. We stayed there several days. Philippi was a city, there's a whole history of it, but the, the last, the Roman uh, Emperor Octavius, uh, he had made it a Roman city. So they were all citizens of Rome, which was very important. Now, in, I don't know if you can see this very well, but just to remind you, when Paul sets out from Antioch on his first missionary journey, he travels in this area here of, of Turkey, mostly central to southern, mostly southern Turkey in the islands. They head out on their second journey And then they come up to here, and this is where they receive this this vision from this man of Macedonia, come over and help us. So they leave, they cross a little bridge of water here, and in so doing, when they cross over this area here, they come to Neapolis, and then they come to Philippi, modern-day Macedonia. And from there, he'll travel down to Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, and Corinth. But this jump to this was a very significant advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they come to Philippi, the city that is a Roman uh, center of government and a place where they are citizens of Rome. He comes to the city, and he look, and what his habit is to go to a synagogue, right? He goes to the synagogue to meet people who are who, who have uh, belief in the one true God. They have the history of the Old Testament Scriptures. They share many things in common. It's the place where he starts his ministry. So notice he does. On the Sabbath day, verse 13, he went outside the city gate to the river where he expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Evidently, there was no synagogue in Philippi. You had to have 10 heads of family to have a synagogue, 10 men, heads of family to have a synagogue. He didn't find that. But he went out to the river where he heard there was a meeting, a prayer meeting, a synagogue, if you will, outdoor uh, meeting, and he found women there. And he began to speak. And then, of course, we have this one of the women who is listening was named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth in the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. She probably was a Gentile who was worshiping the Jewish God. The Lord, notice that, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her house. She said, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And This is the beginnings of the church at Philippi. This is the genesis of this church. And then Paul, if you follow the story, he gets thrown in prison, he and Silas. And this is a story where they're singing at night. And and, and also the, 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 the God miraculously you know, shakes that place and they're freed. And the jailer comes and, and finds out they're gone and he's going to kill himself. And Paul says, don't hurt yourself. We are here still. And he comes down and he falls down and says, what must I do to be saved? Right? And Paul says what? Huh? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And so the genesis of this church at Philippi are these women who are gathered for prayer, this Philippian jailer and his family, and then Paul stays there for a time and this church begins to take, take foundation and it grows. And this becomes the church at Philippi that Paul thinks so deeply of and so highly of, and he revisits them, and they become a very important part. We see in 2 Corinthians chapter in chapter 8, we see that that, that the, Paul, Paul refers to the Corinthians, who are south of them. And he says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty... Welled up into rich generosity. For I testify, they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Paul talks about this church at Philippi. They are very—they are poor. This is a this is a group that's not rich. They're not famous. They're—they're poor. They're struggling, but they are generous. Paul says this. this, This—they became the model of Christian generosity for Paul, for all the churches. Praise the Lord for generosity and the generous spirit. This was the Philippian church. And so we come to, we come to this back to, to, to uh, the epistle to the Philippians. It's a Roman colony. There's a cult of the emperor there would have been very strong. He would have been referred to, the emperor would have been referred to as Lord. And to this group, then, Paul begins this letter. So let's go back to Philippians and look at a few verses before we close today. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to ask a favor of you. In case I forget, I'm going to ask a favor of you. Would you take a few minutes, I think it will take you about 8 to 10 minutes, if you do it casually, would you just read the epistle to the Philippians like a letter, right? I mean, if you're, if, if, when my dad sent my mom letters from the army, she didn't read page one and say, okay, I'll come back to chapter two tomorrow and read page two tomorrow and page three, right? No. You sit down and you read, you read it in its entirety, especially if it's someone that is dear to you and you haven't heard from them and you're worried about them and you wonder how they're doing. Paul is in prison. Paul is in house arrest in prison. It's a dangerous situation. They're concerned about him. And when they got this letter, They didn't go through it a chapter at a time, a a paragraph at a time. We're going to do that. But would you please sit down and just read it like a letter and let it speak to you like a letter to a friend. It'll take you about 8 to 10 minutes. I'll bet you could do that. You could listen to it on the audio Bible. I would like you to do that this week. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers, And the deacons, and we'll see as we get into Paul's letters, these groups of leaders. At this point, I want to suggest these are more functions than official offices. They are functioning as the episcopos, those who are overseeing the work. There are leaders that that Paul has trained. There are those who have been put in leadership, like your elders here at our church. They are, they are, they are not dictators. They are not officials. They are overseers. And the deacons, the word for the word for deacon is the, simply the word for service. So you, it appears already in the church you have a group who are, who are charged with overseeing things and a group specifically charged with serving and, and physical serving and meeting the physical needs. And he says, I send you greetings, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want you to know something. See if you can pick out if you see something here that looks repetitious. I'll try to emphasize as I read it to you, okay? I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Do you notice that emphasis on every, all, always, the unity The unity that Paul has with these people and his deep concern, his deep friendship and fellowship with them, always, every time, always. Paul says, whenever I pray for you, I always pray with joy. I love you people. We are friends. In fact, you'll notice that when Paul begins this epistle, this is one of about a handful of his epistles, I think there's three of them, where he doesn't begin, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ, do you notice that he doesn 't begin with his credentials. other letters he begins, Paul an apostle he doesn 't need to with these people he doesn 't need to with these people. they are friends it 's a different relationship than with some of the other churches that 's not quite as receptive and warm at this time he doesn 't need to do that paul and, and, and timothy your your fellow workers and he says, we always every All the time, the unity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice particularly, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, in the first century, because friendship was so important, when he uses, this is the word koinonia. Some of you have heard this word koinonia. We talk about for fellowship, but it's more than just getting together for fellowship. It implies a partnership. Partnership implies a responsibility, a mutual participation. This is why they took it seriously. Friends, you know, were not just casual friends; were partners. They participated with your life. They participated with you in your endeavors, in your suffering, in your joys. They were participants, and this is a theme of Philippians. When we talk about the joy in this in this epistle, it's this partnership in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are partners in this ministry together. Amen? What a wonderful thing to be part of something so much bigger than this little group at Philippi, or at Ephesus, or Colossi, or Corinth, or Rome even. They are part of a worldwide work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word gospel simply, we, we, I think you probably know, it, it means good news. It was particularly used in a military context. When your army won and they lost, and it came back, and you're waiting to hear who won, who lost, because this could be our city maybe next, and it comes back, we won. That's good news. Good news. That's where the word gospel really took its strength from, this good news of a victory. And Paul says, we are partners in the gospel. Notice this. Paul says to them, my reason I pray with you all the time and I pray and I love you people all the time because of your partnership in the good news win From the first day until now. Why? Because I'm confident, confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Paul affirms his confidence. They have been part of the gospel ministry, not just in Philippi. Because we're going as we read this letter, we're going to find out one of the things he is thankful for is that they have sent gifts to him. We talked about this a few weeks ago. When Paul is under house arrest, as long as he has physical means, he can rent his own apartment. He can have people come and visit. He can write letters and send them out. But without that physical assistance, I mean, that financial assistance, without money to do that, he would be a ward of the state and be put in a real prison. The only way Paul can continue to minister for two years is because people are sending gifts. And the Philippians, according to the Corinthian epistle, have been doing that all along. They have been sharing with Paul, sacrificially giving, so that he could continue his ministry and they shared in this ministry. And Paul says, I know that God will continue to finish the good work of salvation until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, friends. Now I want to end with this this morning. This is just an introduction to the letter. I appreciate it if you take, will you do that? Will you take eight or ten minutes and read the epistle this week? Can you do that? Good. Thank you. All right. At least down here, at least these people here are going to do it. Okay. <laughs> well shame the rest of you alright <laughs> did you guys say anything over here oh thanks Dan okay how's Derek doing okay Derek Gray. we've been thinking of partnership and praying we've been praying for Derek he's doing better is he going to go back to work this week uh, next week, next week. alright praise the Lord and uh, we'll continue to pray for our brother Derek and, and for full recovery and for Olga that's partnership friend. that's the kind of that's partnership in the gospel that we care about one another let me close with this what does this mean Eric Mongol, from Africa. The devastating effects of the tropical cyclone Idai in southern Africa has been on the world news for several weeks. Three countries have been badly affected. Mozambique, Zimbabwe, and the Malawi. In the southern part of Malawi, bridges have been swept away, houses and fields destroyed, and lives lost. We have a significant work, friends, in this area of the country. It has been so overwhelming and heartbreaking to see families come in the rain to our house, to ask for shelter as their houses were falling. It has been a very tender moment, sympathizing with our neighbors, even as our own house was cracking and letting the water in. Um, First of all, partnership in the gospel takes place here at this community. Remember what it used to look like in our narthex? (laughs) Anybody remember that? Praise the Lord, okay? Uh, It doesn't look like that. But we are partnering here we are partnering in our community. This is what they think our streets going to look like down the road when the light rail goes in. We are partnering in our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ and with Christian brothers and sisters. We are partnering our city with organizations like Union Gospel Mission and others that we've partnered with for decades. We'll concern others, we will continue to do so. And I'm reading you a letter from one of our missionaries. This is his house I don't, can you turn the lights down for me all the way there, um, back. I think if you can see this, this is this is Mongol. This is his house. What it looks like right now. Last night I managed to move my family to a lodge in a safer area as we search for a house to live in. Please pray for the hungry and the homeless families. Pray for more humanitarian assistance. Pray we will find a house soon, as it's expensive to be in a hotel. Pray the Lord will use us to show His love. In this Islamic community during this time of crisis. That's the house that, that used to be there. This is the, this is the, and we saw houses like this and saw the, the pastor's one suit hanging on the rack, uh, there in the, in the room. He's asking us to pray, to partner. Because we are friends. He's been to our church. They love our church. They love you people. We are partners in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is, in a, it's a letter written to us. Say, partner with us. Pray for us. We are in desperate situations right now. I also got a letter from Dan and Barb Butler, and and, and it talks about their news. The newsletter they sent, and they're with Wycliffe, and they're in Germany right now on administrative work with Wycliffe. But they wanted they wanted us to know about a, a work that's going on in Uganda, and a and a. Uh, Bible translation. I want to ask the guys back there if they would play this. I want you to see this. We are partners. We've been with them since they went out 40 years ago. Day one, we've been partners with them in this work. I want you to see this. This is one minute video and then we'll close the service. Hi, I'm Russ Hirschman. I'm here in the town of Koboko, Northern Uganda, where we've just had the dedication of the 1,000th New Testament that Wycliffe and SIL have been involved in. This is the Keliko language of South Sudan. They're a refugee community here in Uganda. They have now received the gospel of peace. They're looking forward to peace in their country so that they can go back and share it with the rest of their people. This was the 1,000th New Testament. The first 500 took our first 67 years. The second 500 has only taken 17 years. It shows what God is doing to get His Word to the peoples of the world. Listen, friends, I show that to you. Dan writes this, and Barr, Thank you to each of you. For your participation with us. Some of you have received each letter we've sent from the beginning, 40 years. Some are new to our team. Some faithfully pray and some faithfully give. Each one can share in the remarkable stories of transformation. We are partners. And so this morning, I just as we come up, you guys coming up and we'll lead our closing song. I just want to really emphasize as you read Philippians and prepare to study this together with us. Listen, friends, we are part of something that is so much bigger. It is God's work around this world, in this community, in our city, in Africa and Asia and in South America, all over the world. We are partners and we have friends. We are friends and friendship is important. It means something. And I trust that when God brings these people to your mind, that you will pray for them, you will give When God brings people in this community to your mind, in this faith community, in our local community, you will pray, you will help, that we will really have a sense of partnership and koinonia, of fellowship, that we are part of something that is so wonderful and God has blessed us so much to be a part of his work. Let's look at Philippians and let's see it as a wonderful friendship letter between people who loved each other and loved serving God. Please stand with us once again as we sing, My God, My Father, Though I Stray. Thank you for coming today. Your presence here today is an encouragement and a partnership in the gospel ministry of Jesus Christ. God bless you for our benediction. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen.